0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash offer.
1: Hey, everybody. Before we get started, I wanted to give you, the listener, a huge thank you. We just crossed over 550 total listens, and I'm just on my 10th episode. So I really appreciate your support, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the time to share with your friends. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on uh, iTunes. Uh, we're located on Spotify as well. Be sure to share us with your friends and, and interact with us on Facebook. I'd love to hear your ideas. If you get got uh, topics that you want to hear on the uh, on future episodes, let me know. But thank you again, and let's jump on into the episode. I'd be listening to the mainstream media and just be left frustrated on how they covered these stories. They would completely ignore facts just to promote their own agenda. I said, man, I could do a better job than these fools. I should start my own show. So I did. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Freedom Strips. I'm your host, Keaton Tucker. My guest today is the host of The Brian Nichols Show... He's one of the shows in my uh, podcast rotation. I really enjoy listening to him. Uh, Brian Nichols, thank you for being here, sir.
0: Absolutely, Keaton. Thank you so much for having me on. And the intro, man, if there's ever an intro to get you jacked up, like I just came back from the gym. I was doing shoulders today. I should have had your intro just on repeat. Would have gotten me all jacked up. That's great.
1: I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, um, I put a little bit of work into it. It wasn't too much, but I, uh, I enjoy the intro too. So it's, it's a fairly new thing. But
0: uh, I appreciate beat. that. Drop that beat. Remember that old vine of the uh, the two. I think they're uh, they're Sikh gentlemen, and they're in the car. And the beat drops. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that's what it felt like right there. So that, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Drop the beat. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: uh, Brian, why don't you uh, give the listeners a little bit of your background? Kind of introduce yourself, as well as give them a little bit of background on the Brian Nichols show.
0: Absolutely. So I am the host of the Brian Nichols show on the We Are Libertarians network. Uh, Keaton informs me that my dear leader, Chris Spengel, uh, joined him back for his last episode. So you guys should be familiar with the network. But if you're not, uh, We Are Libertarians is based out of Indiana. uh, Indiana, And uh, it's got a great number of shows on the network, including the main show, We Are Libertarians, uh, The Boss Hog of Liberty with Jeremiah Morrill, which talks about more local politics in Indiana. Uh, And then there's my show, which is the Brian Nichols show. So... I like to say we're a political show for anyone and uh, everyone. The main goal of my show is to leave my audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And as cheesy as that sounds, well, yeah, it is. Uh, I try to have people from all means of political thought in my show. So from those in the far left to the far right and all those in between, uh, my audience is very diverse. I have, yes, a lot of libertarians that listen to my show but i actually have a lot of uh, moderates and believe it or not quite a few democrats and, and some democratic socialists uh who also listen to my show so the the main thing about my show is i try to bring people on to my show who can discuss the topics or the the news or the issues that you care about in an objective manner and to really explain what their specific position is on the issues so you can better understand where they're coming from so uh that's kind of my show in a nutshell, um, if if you're interested in in listening to my show, folks, it's uh, the Brian Nichols Show. You can find it on uh, really anywhere where podcasts are are, are found. Uh, so yeah, it's it's been an honor and it's been a privilege to uh, to join Chris over on his network, and uh, it's been a blast too so far. About a year and a uh, year and a half now doing my show. And we've had some great guests on from I mean Larry Sharp, Matt Kibby, Jeffrey Tucker, Adam Kokesh, uh all those in between. Um it's it's been it's been a heck of a ride. And going to twenty twenty I just I have a even better feeling it's gonna get Get wilder and crazier in the best of ways yeah
1: it's gonna get even better and it's funny that um you know i was i listened to a couple of your episodes where you did interview several of the libertarian candidates and and mm-hmm. uh, larry larry sharp's always fun to listen to i kind of talked to, briefly with chris about larry sharp and and uh what he was doing in uh new york um he had a lot of interesting ideas and and he really um you know he didn't uh, make that big of a dent in New York, but he actually made more of a dent in New York than has happened in yes. uh, really any any time for a, a third-party candidate over there.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm from New York State and never has a third-party candidate for running for governor really made that much. Well, uh, that's kind of true. Because um, back in 2010, or I'm sorry, yeah, 2010, uh, Carl Paladino ran as, I think he was the, the Tea Party. No, it was, it was something along the lines of like being a Tea Party candidate against... Cuomo, but I think he ran against a Republican too. I could be wrong, but otherwise, no. Yeah, Larry, what he did um, as a libertarian hasn't been done in New York State in I don't think ever. Um, New York State's a weird state where you have to get fifty thousand votes just to be on the uh, the ballot for any other elected office. So, uh, so Larry was able to accomplish that with his his success. So, uh, and, and that, that's huge for libertarians because then they don't have to go out of their way to, to raise money to then go and, you know, get onto the ballot and, and, you know, go around circulating petitions and such. So to have Larry's success in New York was incredibly important. So yeah, kudos to Larry and what he was able to accomplish for sure.
1: Yeah, no, he's a fun guy to listen to, too. And he's got (laughs) a lot of, uh, he's got a lot of hype in the libertarian party as, as far as, uh, especially that last election, there was a lot of talk going around with him, um, one of the topics, really the main topic I wanted to talk, uh, the reason why I brought you on, Brian, was the the fact that socialism is continuing to grow in popularity in the United States. Um, right. It is very obvious that there has been a increase in popularity with this um, ever since the 2016 election with Bernie Sanders coming in, um, and it yep. has just continued to snowball. Um, yep. and, and, and what I worry is, if this doesn't go unchecked and if people don't actually get educated onto what capitalism is and, and why people have these negative views towards capitalism and start to entertain the idea of socialism, um, we could be going on a path that, um, is going to be very hard to turn back from. Absolutely. Um, so kind of starting out, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is, is one of the, uh, as Ben Shapiro calls her, the fresh faces uh, of the Democratic Party. So
0: fresh. So face. So, so
1: fresh. So face. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, a- AOC is a topic that comes up very often um, in my show, at least it seems like, which is uh, still a very new show. But she comes up very often in many other shows as well. Um I've battled with myself about bringing up AOC as often as I do, just because I feel like I'm going to be giving her more credibility to her name and her ideas. But I, you know, the more I think about that, the more I I know that that's not true because if you look at the mainstream media, uh, they're already doing a hell of a job at that. You know, you you look at um, the the mainstream media headlines every time that woman utters a sentence and she's plastered up onto there. Um, you know you see you see the the media claiming that the right is obsessed with her but they are obviously plastering this woman up on up on every uh,
0: media outlet available it's it's literally the definition of gaslighting essentially
1: yes absolutely for sure you know I, and you know i've made the the leap to start this new show and to speak the truth uh, to the best of uh, my ability but you know i can only do so much and and that's why i want to bring um people like you on Brian to, to kind of help, uh, I don't know, speak truth to what capitalism actually is. And and so, you know, which this kind of brings us to some of the videos that's been circulating around this week. And that was when, um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez did an interview at South by Southwest this week. Um, and it went about exactly as you thought, uh, it would go. Um, so she attacked moderates. So she attacked people that had moderate stances, Um, she went after capitalism, calling it an irredeemable system. Um, And even Bill Nye, the uh, gender is a construct guy, uh, showed up. So (laughs) it was a little bit uh, weird. Did you see any of these videos?
0: Oh, yeah, no. I I, I did, and I tried to erase it right from my memory as soon as I could because it's so full of um, inaccuracies. And I think it's it's not a matter of her being willfully ignorant. I think it's a matter of she knows... That she's saying something is not true, and she doesn't care because she wants to promote her ideology over the truth, yeah. um, which is what ca- like, what capitalism actually is, what the free market actually is.
1: Yeah, and so one of the videos I wanted to play, I want to kind of hit on, on those three points that I kind of brought up earlier about her attack on, on moderates, her attack on capitalism, and her definition of capitalism. Um, and really, let me see if I can share my screen with you here. Because what I want to do is, here we go. I want you to be able to watch this and view this. (laughs) Yeah, there she is. Uh, So So this is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her critique on moderates.
2: It's like this, like, it feels like moderate is not a stance. It's just an attitude toward life of, like, (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, don't, don't hold back. Tell me how you really feel about
0: incrementalism.
2: <laughs> but the thing that... But here's the thing that upsets me, is that we've become so cynical that that we view meh or uh or we view cynicism as an intellectually superior attitude. And we view ambition as youthful naivete when we think about the greatest things we have ever accomplished as a society have been ambitious acts of vision. And the meh is like worship now for what? Like for what? Um.
1: So Brian, your thoughts?
0: (laughs) She's conflating um, ambition with, an idealistic view almost of a utopian society. Um, And she's also conflating the meh as she was so eloquently phrasing it um, with an acceptance and a pragmatic view of reality. So she's, so she's obviously referring to her green new deal, which was absolutely and rightfully so lambasted by pretty much everyone except for those on, on the left. And her i mean for those of you who are not aware with the green new deal it is complete fantasy i mean it is talking about uh getting rid of um what is it getting rid of uh all houses that don't have yeah. renewable completely energy.
1: retrofitting every house that has uh uh gas
0: getting rid of cows um trying to get rid of pretty much any form of transportation that could possibly <laughs> use fossil fuels I, and in the timeline for this was was i think was like 10 years, 10 years. or something stupid yeah. like that so she's, she's trying to conflate this ambition that she's referring to with this utopian mindset. And it's it's unrealistic. It truly is unrealistic because not only would it cripple our economy, but it also would yeah. harm the very people that she's claiming to want to defend and to protect. Yeah. Which is going to be the, the lowest in the, the class system, if you will. Those the most impoverished in a society because they can't afford these brand new fancy things that she's so uh, so – eloquently saying that we're going to have um now obviously she's going to make the argument well that's why we need to tax the wealthy and tax the rich i had max Gulker, who is an economist over at american institute for economic research on my show and he showed that the the cost of of what she's saying that we should do is is almost double of what um her her original expectations were, yeah and then showed it showed how many people would actually be negatively impacted from uh this green new deal and because they're not able to afford the the new demanded and- re- and really it's regulated way of life mm-hmm. that she's looking to promote so i uh, I think it's absolutely uh foolish of her and those who are in support of the green new deal to to say that people who don't like it are simply the meh group and they don't have ambition it's it's we're saying no 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 we're it's unrealistic and there's better alternatives to what you're promoting that don't destroy our economy that don't hurt the 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 poor so we're not saying it's not it's not you shouldn't do something it's not using government force not using the the power of the purse to destroy our economy in the name of trying to do something good, it's it, it it's like if you're going to be driving, you know, a hundred miles an hour down the the interstate. Yeah, you're ambitious. You're going to get to where you want to get faster, <laughs> but you also might crash into a tree and, and go into a fiery wreck. Yeah, like that's just reality. It's not. And the person saying meh, they're not saying that because they they don't have ambition. They're saying I don't want you to crash and die in a fiery car wreck. Yeah. So I think I think that's where the disconnect is. And I again, I don't know if it's her being willfully ignorant or she truly is she's in this mindset. She's so focused on getting her message and getting her narrative across to actually implement policy that she's going to knowingly ignore basic facts, truths, all that kind of fun stuff.
1: Yeah. It's, it's completely unbelievable that something like that actually was proposed. Um, You know, I I went over with, with uh, I believe I went over with my friend, Matt Bell when he was on and, and there was an estimate that, came out that the, it was around $96 trillion was the estimate over 10 years. Um, That was about $680,000 for each American household. Um, It's just not feasible. Uh, And and the fact that she's attacking moderates and people with a moderate position um, is, is pretty laughable um, because that's, that's a reason, a extremely reasonable (laughs) thing to go "Eh," when you're proposing (laughs) uh, replacing airplanes with rail trains. For instance, and you know,
0: sad. I, I mean, I remember. I'm old enough to remember ten years ago when Al Gore said that if we didn't do something. Just the, the generic do something. Okay, we would we were going to have you know no polar ice caps by by 2015. We yeah. were going to have you know the polar bears swimming in the Arctic Ocean. New York was no going to be underwater. Exactly, like you know the, the what, what's in uh, Ghostbusters? You know, uh, what's Bill Murray's line? Cuts and dogs living together. Mass <laughs> hysteria. Like, that was what we were told yeah. back in the early 2000s. And, oh, my gosh, we're in 2019. And uh, somehow we, we're still alive. I mean, I was supposed to be, be dead from net neutrality and from the tax cuts. It's amazing, this, it is. I And I'm still alive. And I, I live in the, one of the most liberal cities in the world in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So I don't know how I'm still alive. But yeah. here I am somehow. And I... <laughs> It, it, it just—it's so frustrating because we get into this mindset. If we don't do something now, X is going to happen, and it brainwashes these kids. Like, did you see that video of all those kids going to Senator Feinstein's office, I did. and they're like, "We we need to do something because it's our future." And, and I, I never agree with Diane Feinstein, but she's like, "No, yeah, that I'm I'm I, like, no, this, you're being used as a pawn. Like, stop." And uh, and she got lambasted for her response. She to that sure did. She's she's saying just common sense. Like it's not going to be the end of the world in 10 years. This, this scare tactic approach has been used so many times that it's like the boy who cried wolf. Nobody's paying attention because you cried wolf so many times. And God, you know, it's going to be one time. Yes. We need to change what we're doing as a society and how we impact the the environment and, and limiting our pollution and our carbon footprint. But it's when you keep on saying that this, if we don't do it now, the end of the world is here. And I'm saying way over here or right here next to us. People are they grow numb to it because they're like, well, it didn't happen last time. So I mean, yeah. it's just it, I think she's a, she's completely ignoring um, the the, the well, basic realities of history and and what's been threatened in the past and and where you know the reality is what what actually happened and why people are so skeptical and, and they don't don't take her seriously.
1: Yeah, well, it's pretty incredible. She she also claimed that uh, capitalism was irredeemable. Um, as a as a system itself, which I, I think one of the main uh, main reasons for that is that people are conflating crony capitalism with capitalism. And I want to Correct. get your thoughts on that uh, right after we hear it straight from Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, kind of explaining what her definition of capitalism actually is.
2: Um, is an, to me is, it's an ideology of capital. It puts capital. The most important thing is the concentration of capital, and it means that we seek and prioritize profit and the accumulation of money above all else, and we seek it at any human and environmental cost. That is what that means. And to me, that ideology is not sustainable and cannot be redeemed. You know, just as there's all this fear mongering that government is going to take over every corporation and government is going to take over every business or every form of production, um, we should be scared right now because corporations have taken over our government. And the Mindless
0: Seals clapping along.
2: In my opinion. We should be wary of any entity in which both of those things are combined, whether it's through one way or the other. Um, and that's why the emphasis in democratic socialism is on democracy.
0: Ah. She, she doesn't even realize that she just contradicted herself. She did. Literally, in, in, in one breath, she contradicted herself. We should be wary of any system that combines one with the other. Which is why we should have a system where government and, and business all encompasses together. Yes. What? Surprise? Oh, she just makes my skin crawl. She's like you – know, you ever watch Family Guy? Yeah. Where uh, – remember Brian's dating um, – what's her name? The blonde. And uh, and, and Brian's in the car. She's so going to break up with her. And he's like, you know, you know how she always ends every sentence with like a question? like at the end of every sentence, that, that's <laughs> yeah. who she reminds me of. It's like she, oh. Can we oh. stop
1: pretending like this woman is some educated intellectual ideologue? Like This is. Just, she's not. Unbelievable. No, it, it's really not. And, and that's not capitalism at all. That, that That is crony capitalism, which she's talking about with the gov- big government in bed with big business. And, mm-hmm. and that gets conflated with what capitalism actually is. That is not capitalism. Why don't you explain?
0: I be, uh, if, say, if, 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 before I can, yeah. I want to make sure people realize too, it's not saying that it's because she's a woman because i know that's the card that always gets pulled mm. out like oh you're saying she's a stupid woman right i've had i've had dozens of women on my show very intelligent women and just my last episode i had dr mary rewer who was one of the leading um scientists when looking at the effects of how fish oil helps with um the ability for your your joints i forget because she's a lot smarter than i am and she's talking <laughs> about what this does and i'm like okay that's great um i trying to understand what you're saying uh, but uh, but like I hate that argument. I like to nip that in the bud before we even like, people start having that as the initial straw man they're going to throw up as why we disagree with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. It's not because she's a woman. It's because her ideas are wrong. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, you're absolutely (laughs) right. And and I want you to kind of um, go through a little bit and kind of outline what crony capitalism is for our listeners who may Mm -hmm. not know what crony capitalism is and what capitalism actually is. Because what we actually have right now going on in some forms is true capitalism, but a lot of it is crony. And that's why a lot of, uh, a lot of this is, is coming up right now where these people are kind of confused at the system that we have currently. And it's not because capitalism is growing out of control. It's crony capitalism growing out of control. And that is because the right. government's power is growing out of control. So can you outline yeah. that a little bit for the listeners?
0: For sure. So I think it's important to first, uh, define what a, a free market and a capitalistic system would look like. So a free market is where, uh, Buyers and uh, can, or buyers and sellers, essentially, can engage in voluntary contracts between each other, which would be, um, you know, uh, Keaton, you have uh, a pen and I have a pencil. I really, though, want the pen. So you and I agree that I'm going to give you X, whatever it may be. It might be giving you the pencil to you or it might be giving you a form of currency to you in exchange for that pen. So now we both had a mutually beneficial uh, relationship where... You are walking away with something you find of value, and I'm walking away with something that I find of value. So, in a free market society, we'll, we'll say uh, we'll just use companies as an example, have the ability to sell whatever product it may be. Um, you know, let's say it's widgets, for example, um, and anybody in the society can can go and, and purchase the widgets so long as there is a, a demand for the widgets. Um, so, if I'm selling a widget and it's I'm selling it for too expensive of a, of a cost then people aren't going to buy it. But if if you're selling widgets um, on your own and you're selling better widgets or less expensive widgets that will start taking my consumer base away from me, then I need to figure out a way to change my product or to uh, change my value statement to show the value of what I'm selling relative to yours to then try to earn customers back. Um, So... In a, in a roundabout way, that's the idea of what a free market would look like. Now, what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is describing as a free market is, is not a free market at all. It's, it's crony capitalism, as as Keaton had mentioned. And for crony capitalism, it's government then taking a step into the marketplace and picking winners or losers based on the influence that the other person within the market was able to buy. So uh, let's take, for example, the situation I mentioned with widgets, right? So in that situation, let's say I noticed that you came into the marketplace, and you were selling uh, your widgets at a less expensive price, and damn it, your widgets are a lot better than mine, and I just can't figure out how the heck I'm going to be able to compete with you. So what I end up doing is I know that my best friend is getting ready to run for city council. So I say to my, my best friend, well, listen, I'm going to help support you running for you know, city council. And when you get into office, I'll, I'll find ways to help support you as well. So long as you're able to create legislation that will get Keaton out of the widget business, or at the very least try to, to minimize the damage he's done on me. Okay. My best friend says, sure. So best friend gets elected. He's in office and he pushes for legislation that will make it. You have to have a license within the city to sell a widget. Now he's going to make that law. So that it, it's actually only if you've been selling widgets for under a year. Well, I'm fine because I've been selling widgets for about five mm-hmm. years, and I had I had the market, and and you just started here three months ago trying to sell widgets, and and oh, oh I'm sorry because now you have to go and you have to go through a process to get a license through the city to to get. Your your widget selling license. Yeah. So you have to now jump through all the hoop the, the the hoops and and the the loopholes within the city bureaucracy to try to make it so you can get your your license. But you know you have to spend months waiting in line uh, or waiting to hear back. And in the meantime, you're not able to sell your widgets. And I'm able to reap all the benefits that now I'm the only game in town. So you know roundabout way that is what the difference would be between a truly free market. And a crony capitalist market. Um, yeah. So I hope I hope that kind of explained in, a, in an easy to understand way. I know sometimes people do conflate this mm. uh, willingly or 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 not. So hopefully that kind of explained a little bit uh, clear as to what the true distinction is. It's a matter of whether or not the government's picking the winner through some regulatory or some license, or, or you know, trying to set some tax rate or whatever it may be that would uh, disincentivize people from entering a marketplace or making it difficult for those within the marketplace to continue to be competitive. They would be otherwise in a free market setting. Yeah.
1: Well, actually, another good example of of just that is with Amazon lobbying to increase the minimum wage now. They've caved to Mm -hmm. the government to increase the minimum wage to $15 an hour, and you think, oh, hey, you know, good for Amazon. They're increasing the minimum wage. They're paying people more at $15 an hour. Why would they be lobbying the government to do uh, that with other companies? Well, it's
0: almost as if, yeah, it's, it's almost as if they know that other companies can't afford to pay the fifteen minimum dollar wage. That's exactly so it. So if they can set the price, at, well, you know, it should be fifteen dollars per hour for the minimum wage. Then guess what? We're the only game in town that can pay the fifteen dollars minimum wage, and it's funny how um, Amazon and and you know the other larger entities that have been supporting that are already in the marketplace where they have you know the, the market share. I mean, yep. let's let's they, they look at the other example of Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. It's like uh, Mark Zuckerberg sitting there in, in before Congress, and he's like, "Yeah, let, let me help you write the regulations for this. I'd love to help you write the regulations to to regulate telecom or to regulate um social media." And it's like, oh, Mark Zuckerberg, the owner of the, literally the largest social media platform ever <laughs> in the world, wants to help regulation to yeah. to make him to regulate himself. Or is it to regulate other people from entering the market to be a competitor? That's They're right. Like, hmm, I wonder.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He's wanting to uh, to hedge his bets. Yep. He's wanting to, to get a hold on the market using the, the government. It's actually, it's interesting. You brought up um, uh, New York earlier. Um there was an article that came out just the other day this week that New York is on the brink of bankruptcy. So, And they need money, and they need money fast. And it's, you know, man, if only there was a company that could bring a large influx of cash into New York that could it's save that New idea. York. Hmm. And,
0: and their owner's name rhymes with uh, Beth Bevos. I wonder that could be. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, and, and like... To make it so, I know there's a lot of libertarians who don't like the uh, the Amazon deal, and rightfully so because it was uh, structured a lot on crony capitalism itself. Because it was built to have they're giving subsidies. them tax
1: breaks that they weren't giving small businesses either.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Which is which I, is wrong. Yes. But then you look at okay, let's just ignore. Yes, it's wrong. I'm agreeing with you. Like, let's get rid of that premise. Let's go to the next step, though. You're you're now pushing a company away that was going to bring th- like what was it twenty five thousand jobs, twenty five thousand to
1: forty thousand. Yeah.
0: Yeah, to to your market where it's going to encourage the 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 it's going to encourage the the taxpayer to to get out more. To number one, they have to spend more money in their taxes, but to actually spend money in the, the economy. Yeah. Now, I I believe taxation is theft, so I'm not going to uh, to you know, endorse <laughs> the idea of taxation. But let's be real, New York State is the worst state when it comes to um, the the taxes. People are leaving yes, in
1: we, droves. They're coming to 100, Florida. 100,000
0: people per year. They, they like people per year. We're going the to the Sunshine
1: Florida. State. They like the warm weather win? and the le- no, no.
0: I'm from upstate New York. I'm used to negative forty winters. It's sucked, <laughs> like negative forty and fourteen feet of snow. No, screw that. Like I'm getting out and of high taxes. Just
1: put the taxes right on top of there.
0: Oh yeah, I mean property tax, income tax, sales tax. It's it's through the freaking roof. And then put on top of it, like it's so anti business. I mean, the regulatory state in New York is out of control. It's so bad. And uh, yeah, like literally a hundred thousand people per year are leaving New York State because Man. it is so bad. And all of a sudden Andrew Cuomo's like, Huh, I don't have this uh tax base to support all these lofty programs. Yeah. So I guess I'm gonna tax people more to make up for oh that 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 that, yeah, that makes sense not not the the common sense thing which would be to cut spending because you no longer have the money to pay for right. it but you know government doesn't live by by you know real economic rules and principles but oh then,
1: no uh, no they're they're not going to cut spending they just need to get more money so that they can exactly. spend more yeah
0: exactly right
1: <laughs> so yeah so perverse it, it is is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous and and going along with uh, alexandria ocasio-cortez um showing up at south by southwest she had another person show up at her interview um, called Bill Nye, the science guy, something like that. <laughs> anyway, so let's take a look here and listen in to what Bill Nye had to say.
0: I'm sure it's so enlightening and wonderful. Oh, yeah.
2: I think this has to be the last one as oh we've, we've gone over, but I think I recognize this. Oh, my gosh! Reading!
3: Alliance. Yeah. Alliance. Wow. Greetings, everyone.
2: Oh my goodness, this is amazing. Greetings. This is oh, so nice.
3: Both. Oh, uh, it's good to see you all. I can't Woo. take selfies with everyone. Uh, keep in mind, uh, here's what I think's going on. I want to ask the question in two ways. As you may know. Uh, I'm a white guy.
0: <laughs>
3: I belong... What? That's shocking. Oh my God. Bill Nye's white? <laughs>
0: Breaking news
1: my childhood everybody.
3: was a lie. Jeez. I belong to two
1: unions. Wow. But I think... I think... <laughs> I belong to two unions. Wow.
3: Wow. She's wow. in love.
1: Two unions? Most people oh only God. have one union. <laughs> uh, the
3: problem on both sides is fear. Yep. Uh, people are, are afraid, people of my ancestry are afraid of having to pay for everything yeah. when, uh, as immigrants come into this country. People who come in, uh, the people who work at the diner in Alabama are afraid to try to ask for what is reasonable. Mm-hmm. So do you have a plan <laughs> to work with people in uh, Congress mm-hmm. that are afraid? And I think that's what's going on with many of the conservatives, especially when it comes to climate change. Mm -hmm. People are just afraid of what will happen if we try to make these big changes. Mm -hmm. And I remind everyone, uh, uh, Article One, Section 8, Clause 8 of the U.S. Constitution refers to the progress of science and useful arts. Mm -hmm. So when we address climate change, we're going to have clean water, access uh, to the internet, and renewable electricity for everyone on Earth. Let's go! Yes! Woo-hoo! Let's
1: go.
0: Let's go! Oh. God. I, and to think I used to, to watch him every day after school growing up, and I was like, man, I want to grow up be like Bill Nye. <laughs> and now I'm so glad I didn't. No wonder. Like, he, he just he took his, his imaginary role as a scientist. He's a mechanical engineer. He's not even a like a, a, a right. scientist. He's not a climate scientist. He's he's a mechanical engineer, which not you know that's not saying there's anything wrong with that. It's just that he's pretending yes. that he's he's more than he is. It'd, it'd be like it is to a the character science.
1: on a show, essentially. Okay,
0: this, this is gonna be like a dated reference, but like and probably not PC anymore with with all that happened. But like it'd be like looking at Kevin Spacey as like oh he well you know he played Frank Underwood, so he's definitely somebody you should take political advice from.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: No, no, not the same thing because he played a role. That's what Bill Nye did. Yeah. And he's using that and he's, he's taking this weird, um, this weird thing that happens with millennials where like we have this, this, this infatuation with the Esther year. So like, look at all the movies that are coming out right now. You got Dumbo, Aladdin, the Lion King. They mm. are literally just like rehashing all millennial childhood. <laughs> and then yeah. you have a guy like Bill Nye who, who he grips on to this, this infatuation with the Esther year. And he's like, oh, I think I can make myself famouser again. Because they're looking for me again and, and he becomes a thing again using the title of a guy who played a scientist on TV for kids.
1: Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. And the fact that he goes – I think it's hilarious that he goes and quotes the, uh, the Constitution. It's, it's basically what he quoted was Article 1, Section 8, Clause 8 is, is intellectual property. It's an intellectual property, um, but he's trying to use that as like a, a hedge for this is why the government should should take over industries and, and force their way into glim- g- global climate change and to fix this mess. And then we're going to have free Internet, free uh, clean water. And, and oh,
0: my God, like See, clean I telecom and, as they believe it or not, like Internet. It's not just like a free thing. Like there are companies who have server farms across the nation. Just to be able to support the infrastructure right. that is required to provide the internet, and it's amazing. You know, what's you know, it's amazing is that the FCC released their numbers this year, and the internet speeds have gone up by forty yeah, percent over the past year. I saw that for your average person. And I, I swear, I remember a tweet from someone. I don't remember who they were, but they seemed like a really smart person. Where it had like broken down. You know, could you imagine this is the internet? Twitter, nineteen ninety five per month. Facebook seven ninety five per month. Your internet speed sectioned at this, 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 and this, and you have to pay you know one hundred fifty dollars, two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars, and it's like, hmm, you know that's weird. If anything, internet speeds have gone up, price has gone down. I still use Twitter for free. I still use Facebook for free. It's almost like a scared. They're using a scare tactic to scare me into believing something. So I'll use my emotions and make an emotional response yep. and vote for something in an emotional way instead of looking at it logically and rationally. Yeah. It's like, it's like they're doing the same thing with the green new deal. Isn't that weird? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Surprise. weird. Oh my God. Yeah, The world is ending in 12 years. So vote for my ideas <laughs> because nobody else is coming up with them.
0: And we'll be dead anyway so just, what's what do you have to lose that's what's right? so
1: funny about it man it's just like if that were true if the world was ending in 12 years if we had an asteroid coming in beeline towards earth would we be talking about wealth inequality and, and all of this other nonsense no we'd be focusing on the giant rock about it, to hit earth like how do we
0: destroy this freaking rock that's going to literally blow our yeah into a smith? yeah planet. it's it's a mess we're man not-
1: and I'm yeah, not sure. saying that we shouldn't do anything, which we already you know if we actually wanted to do something that if if we let government get their boot off of the free market and just let technology expand in the free market, automation and everything else is cutting down it's machines are getting more efficient there's less emissions going in as technology improves it's it's gonna fix itself and and really, if you just get the government out of it instead of just completely wrecking the entire economy and just taking over the whole caboodle. It would fix itself.
0: It would, 100%. But the problem is, is that, so, I don't know if you've noticed this too, but like their solution for, like let's just use the Green New Deal as an example because it's the most topical. The solution is so counterintuitive. It's like they want to incentivize people to find alternative means of, I mean, improving the environment through their, their actions. But then conversely, it's like, getting rid of advances in technology that would that have actually shown like we have specific data points to show that like that advance in technology helped improve things on a grand scale it's like it, i just don't know how they can have this cognitive dissonance to completely ignore things that are like verifiable truths verifiable facts data points just to fit their own narrative it's 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 mind-boggling to me because it, I mean, it's not like a handful of people like there are millions of people who support her, who support Bernie Sanders. And they support this this Green New Deal. They support democratic socialism, despite mountains of evidence to the contrary. I mean, one look no further than Venezuela to see just the tragedy of a a socialist society. Yeah, it's in our backyard. It's just truly amazing to me that people cannot they cannot grasp the facts because it just goes against what they're they're. Belief system. It's become a religion almost. It's like, well, I can't believe this because that's not what my Green New Deal Bible said. Like, can't do that. Sorry.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is. um, It's pretty wild whenever you – because there are tons of examples of socialism not working. But those aren't Mm -hmm. real socialism.
0: I hate that. I hate that so much. Yeah,
1: they aren't real socialism. But they go and point to the Nordic countries,
0: which – aren't socialist aren't real socialism either yeah like, like they're literally not real socialism they're, they're capitalist societies with a pretty heavy welfare state they're not socialist and and it's it's so again mind-boggling to me that people will look at those and use those as examples when they're not socialism despite literally countries next door to us who were so like truly socialist countries that are now complete hellholes where people are drinking sewage water just to try and get some form uh, of liquid yeah. for, for themselves i saw that like I, so I had on my show uh, a girl named Hillary Andaluz Aguilar, and she is one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. She grew up in com- in uh, communist, essentially, um, in socialist Venezuela, starting the with goal. the Chavez regime. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, starting with the Chavez regime to the Maduro regime, and she remembered watching as Chavez move up the ranks. The exact same propaganda that's being promoted now, like this this um, class warfare between the rich and the poor. They have what we've earned um, the the use of this. Um, you know, we're going to make the the country better by making it more fair. Um, and, and this really, it's the rhetoric that's been promoted of, yeah. of taxing the rich, taking down the rich, uh, make the society better, using the the state to enforce uh, the equality. And with his winning and essentially people like bernie sanders or or uh, jeremy corbyn who were you know rabid fans of venezuela because it was the success of socialism like oh oh look this is a country that democratic socialism works it's like really bernie well you said that in 2013 when it was air quote working and then all of a sudden all the money ran out because people weren't you know buying venezuelan oil and all the rich people moved away and now it's a complete hellhole yeah but that's not that doesn't They work nationalized
1: out. every service and so nobody wanted to invest in a country where the government was grabbing everything. And, and so Surprise. everybody had a pudding cup. Everybody had a pudding <laughs>
0: cup. That's the Ben Shapiro go-to. <laughs> you know, all, all the pudding cups. Yeah, that's
1: right. Where's the pudding? <laughs> uh no, it, it's 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 really kind of scary to to see what's happening with those um those poor people in Venezuela. What do you what do you it's think horrifying. about um I want to get your thoughts on this. What do you think about um, this guy that just kind of declares that he is the leader, and then all of a sudden, all these countries round behind him? Uh, 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 Guido, Guido, I believe is his name. Oh, the oh, interim um, uh, so, quasi president.
0: Yeah, I don't know, man. Like it, it definitely has a fishy feeling to it. I mean, he's because... got
1: support. He's got a yeah, lot of people who... behind him.
0: Yeah, but also look in our country who's supporting him too. Yeah, it's it's the Marco Rubios, it's mm-hmm. it's the John Bolton's, and I'm like, hmm, interesting. Like Lindsey Graham was like, we we need to take down, <laughs> we need to take down Maduro and support Guido Guado because he's he's the the right man for the job. It's like, well, Lindsey Graham also really really liked bombing Syria and he Libya and Iraq. Loves his bombs. Yeah, like hmm, I, I don't know if I really want to, uh, you know, just take you at your face value in your words. I might want to do some more research into this. And, and I really, there's a lot of things that have been stifled coming from Venezuela. So I really, I haven't gotten a more objective view. I even asked Hillary when she was on my show and she didn't know too much about it, honestly, Mm. just because it is so new and it just kind of happened out of nowhere where you had this, this new election. And this guy was, (laughs) he named himself with the supporters, you know, the, the alternative. And I think that's really what it comes down to is just, he looks like he is the alternative to this just horrible regime in Maduro, so I think that might be more of what it is versus um, him actually having um, true supporters because of his ideas. Yeah. It's just like we need this guy sucks. It's like okay, if you had Hitler and Bob, who are you <laughs> going to pick, Hitler or Bob? It's like well, I don't think about Bob, but he's not Hitler, so let's go with Bob, yeah. right? I think that's kind of what it is.
1: Right now. Yeah, it doesn't fix the root cause either. I mean, he's he, it's still he's still a socialist as far as I know, and then and it's not really going to change the system that caused this problem. At all. And I mean, Mm -hmm. you see John Bolton already going on on all these uh, media outlets talking about the Venezuelan oil and how they're they're ready for military conflict. And and that was one of the things that I was I was really hoping that that Trump would stay away from, Um, you know, he was talking to Rand Paul for a while and those talks just kind of fell through. You already see him kind of leaving troops in Syria, something like I believe like 200 troops in Syria mm-hmm. like that's just asking yeah, for bad. trouble because you know what's going to happen if you just leave back, 200 you, troops they're going to get attacked and it's just going to yep. cause us to go back in that's all it is, yep. is it's the insurance policy by the neocons
0: yep uh, you know what's really astonishing too is that all of this like st- all that we're talking about isn't surprising like it's not like we're just like you know really you know, intellectually you know miraculous it's that this has all happened I mean what's the expression uh history doesn't necessarily repeat itself but it certainly rhymes yeah i'm w- we've seen this happen before we've seen the consequences of american intervention overseas um i'm not i'm not arguing you know, i hate the argument like oh so you would just let hitler kill all the jews it's like n- no that's not what i'm saying i'm saying that we have a constitutional means of declaring war and it requires congress to go and, and actually declare war yeah um we haven't done that since 1945 yeah like that's that's horrifying when you look at all the conflicts from the Korean War all the way to where we are today, overseas, pretty much everywhere. Honestly, we we have troops stationed everywhere. All over the world. And and it's never been done with a true declaration of war. Uh, There's a reason it was supposed to be so difficult for us to get involved in foreign conflicts. And I think we've gotten to the point we just don't care because everybody seems to be in this mindset now. I say everybody, the the voting public of you know, let's say forty forty seven percent of American people who actually vote. The other you know fifty three percent just sit at home because they're like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. Um, they're in the mindset of it's I I don't really care about Congress. I just want. When, when we elect the president, we're electing the king, and I want my king to do my things right. I mean, that's why you have people like your Bill Mitchells in the world, who I thought was a parody account for the longest time on Twitter. But it turns out he's just a crazy boomer who believes all this nonsense. Yeah. And he, he they just want their strongman. They they want their version of their king. And you know what? Screw you, other side. I don't care. And the rest of Americans are sitting along for the ride.
1: Yeah. It's 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 pretty scary. And one of the things that I did want to bring up as well, there's a, there was a new Gallup poll. Uh, That came out, and I just want to read a little bit from this. It says, fewer than half of young Americans view capitalism positively. Americans aged 18 to 29 are as positive about socialism at 41 percent as they were about capitalism at 45 percent. This represents a 12-point decline in the young adults' positive views of capitalism in the past two years and marked a shift since 2010 when 68 percent viewed it positively. Meanwhile, young people's views of socialism have fluctuated somewhat year to year, but the 51% with a positive view today is the same as it is in 2010. However, like a 12-point decline in that. So this is this is dropping dramatically and fast. And so, Brian, before we close, I want to get your opinion on what can... Um, what can we do to help facilitate this change and to help educate people on what real capitalism is, what crony capitalism is, and, and really the the, the horrifying um, examples of what socialism can bring to America?
0: We have to uh, speak to people, not talk at people. We need to have conversations with people, not debate people. Um so I had my show, Keith Rubino, he's a democratic socialist. He was on my show two weeks ago. And, uh, and Keith and I had a very engaging, uh, and sometimes a little intense conversation, but it was never a debate. It was a true conversation, trying to ask genuine questions and try to get genuine answers. And I think what we need to, to do as libertarians or as conservatives or as Republicans, I don't care what you identify as if you're somebody who's in favor of Liberty, uh, I want you on my side. I want you to be able to, to talk to people. And I think you're going to be able to find that the people on the other side of the aisle they want the same things that we do. We they, they want people to be taken care of. They want a, a clean and healthy planet. Um, they want healthcare to to be accessible for for people across the nation. Um, they they don't want us to to you know be in poverty. The problem is is how they get there. And I think we need to do a better job of showing how liberty is really the better way. And, and it's been proven. It's been documented over and over and over again of how successful Liberty is in terms of actually accomplishing the goals that I think both sides of the aisle set forth. Um, it's, it's sad because it, it seems sometimes, and as we've discussed today, regardless of how much information we show to people, that they, they you know just cannot accept it because it goes against their worldview but we have a we have an advantage in the fact that there's I don't know if the number's right, but like, you know, over half of the American populace identifies as an independent or a moderate. Yeah. So that's a huge voting base that we can reach to what we haven't. Uh, you look at the the you know, presidential primaries for the Democrats right now, and Joe Biden's expected to announce and I'm almost guaranteeing that he will come in first, if if not first in a close second or third, because he is the the moderate safe choice he's the you know he's the return to normalcy almost and people kind of want this normal feel and those people who don't identify as a democrat republican want to have that you know those those basic needs that we talked about met and they're just going to go to the person they think is going to be the best suited to to meet those needs so that's why ron paul was so successful in 2012 especially yeah with his presidential run because he was speaking to those people beyond the you know the the far right tea partiers and then the far left democratic socialists, he was talking to people who you know might have been middle of the road, and they heard something about foreign policy. He said, and about how us going into all these foreign interventions isn't isn't helpful. It, it actually ends up hurting us more than it helps, yeah. and and we need to really have a, a, a come to Jesus moment about how we're going to approach foreign interventions. And they're like, you know what, he's, he's kind of right, and like nobody else is having that rational conversation. Yeah. So I think as long as we can present ourselves as rational people with the ability to have rational conversations with people who don't necessarily agree with us, I think we got a real shot. But that requires us to get outside of our bubbles. It requires us to talk to people who don't agree with us. I know that's really alien for a lot of people within the libertarian movement because we, we get stuck in our, our Facebook chats and our Facebook groups with all the other libertarians about how right we are. That doesn't accomplish <laughs> anything, though. It just, it just reaffirms that we're right. Yeah. But there's people out there who we can talk to who are just looking for an answer. Um, I, I'm hopeful, but I'm also uh, a little, um, I'm a little nervous. Because I look at in that poll you mentioned in the past two years, twelve percent steep declined. Yeah, and and I mean, what happened two years two years ago? You had Bernie, and he came out. He, I mean, it hurts me to say this. I know a lot of libertarians are going to be upset, but it's the truth. Bernie Sanders so far has been incredibly more successful than Ron Paul was, and that's just oh, a fact. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Bernie Sanders has captivated the hearts and minds of millions of of these millennials and the millions of these Gen Zers because he's preaching to them. The solution to the internal desire they have of wanting all these wonderful things to happen... He's, he's doing it through this like dog and pony show of saying, like oh, look at all this stuff. I can get to you. And, and instead of saying, well, here's you know what's actually happening, we have to be the alternative voice and say, well, actually, here's what's happening. And we want the same thing, and here's how we're going to get it. And we're going to base it on you know, this, this logical, rational approach to, to economics, to how we as a society interact with one another through voluntary exchange. Once we're able to have those conversations with people, I think we're going to see a little bit of a change. But right now we're not having that conversation. We're 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 lecturing. We're debating. We're not talking to them. Yeah. Um. You know, I my my sincerest hope when I had Keith on my show was that he was going to share it with Democratic Socialist friends and they were going to hear my side mm-hmm. and they're going to be like, okay, you know, he's not Trump. That's like, yeah, you're right. I'm not Trump. <laughs> and that's that's how they rationalize a lot of times. Like, right. oh, libertarians yeah. are just like Trump. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not at all. So like, if they can hear. A different side. It's it's through that conversational approach. I think that's how we're going to win the future. We have to have those conversations that are uncomfortable. Until then, we're just going to keep going through this proverbial third place cycle of libertarians always you know coming in third, never really advancing uh, to the big kid table. And and note and I'm going to end it with this: people will never take libertarians seriously until we take ourselves seriously. That requires us to act like adults, have conversations with people, not not yelling at people. And, and truly trying to listen and empathize where they're coming from, reflecting those those internal needs, isolating those needs, and making sure you're, you're pinning down what the issue is, and then giving your answer. Not debating, just giving your answer, what your solution would be. Until then, again, just round and round we go.
1: Yeah. Well, Brian, this has been a lot of fun. Hey, you you said a lot of great stuff that I agree with. I'm sure the listeners are going to enjoy listening to you. I'd love to have you back on the show sometime.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, Hey everybody, thanks for taking, uh, the time to listen to another episode of freedom strips and we will see you on the next episode.